Chase, dude. Land Mannery texted again. He said the intro's gotta be shorter. What the crap? We knocked a whole lot off last time. I know, I know, man. Just make it shorter. Okay, like how short? Dude, like Colin short. What? Frack slap short? I thought he was at least 6'4". Dude, he's like an Oompa Loompa short, man. Okay. Chuck Eight seems the job. Episode 8, take 4. Chuck, Rice, Silver Hill. Yeah, this is going down. Do you have depends on so that we don't need to do bathroom breaks and I'm an old man. I this is evident. Uh Andy, I hope you have tape running on that because that's clearly where the pod needs to start. Welcome everybody to episode eight of Chuck Yates Needs a Job. As you were eavesdropping in, I was visiting with tonight's guest, Sarah Catalan. And uh, we need to hear the story on the middle name there. Um, but very excited you're in here. So Sarah, say hi to folks. Hi, folks. And hi, Chuck Yates. I'm so oh. thrilled to be here. <laughs> very excited to have you here. So first, start with the middle name. Because I yeah. called you Caitlin for what, Caitlin. like four months? Yeah, and probably half the people listening who, I mean, most of the people who follow me probably say Caitlin, but no, it's Catalan. Uh, my parents just made it up. My mom made it up. It's uh, Catherine Hepburn and my grandmother's name, Carolyn, mashed together. So, yeah. So um, my daughter, my middle child is named Sarah Kathleen. And yeah. the, the funny part about that story is my, my oldest child is Charles IV. So I got to name my son after me, after my dad, after my grandfather. We have the fourth. Needless to say, when I suggested his nickname of Cash, I got cut out of all future naming rights for any kid. I was put to the sideline. So number two rolls around. It's a girl, nothing. I'm not allowed any input, which is probably fair from Kim's point of view. So she names Sarah Kathleen. Uh, which I love the name and all that. The funny thing is we we go back to the high school reunion and I'm sitting there talking to Kathleen Pittman, who is an ex-girlfriend, and talking to her best friend, Sarah Steffi, who was my best friend, Mike Finley's girlfriend and all. And we're just catching up on old times, all that good stuff. And... <laughs> I'm telling them the names of my kids and I go, yeah, my daughter is named Sarah Kathleen. And they both looked at me like I was the biggest freak in the world and started right. slowly backing up. You know? yeah. I'm like, out. Yeah. This guy's an absolute creep. <laughs> I've been thinking of this my whole right. life. Yeah. yeah. You left such a mark on me that I just had to name my kid with another woman after. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like screaming from across the room. No, really, really. I had no input. I, I had uh, nothing. They're like block, delete, unfollow. <laughs> yes, exactly. Mute. <laughs> Went and stood next to the security guard all night. Please watch that man. Wow. So. Poor Chuck. Exactly. So, Sarah, I thank you so much for coming on. This is really cool. Um, 
And here's the deal, you know, and kind of as we're doing these podcasts, this is number eight. And we've been sort of all over the place trying to figure out what to do. And it's kind of I'm, I'm bringing on guests that I'm really interested in trying to figure out things with. I want to learn about what you do investing wise, because I've been obviously following you, what, call it four months now, yeah. trying to understand what you do. And I'm just fascinated by this because two things. One, I've always been an efficient market guy. So I have no idea how people make money investing in the public stock market. That's number one. And then number two, as a private equity guy, we sit there and invest in these companies and they're private. They don't mark to mark on any given day. We have control. We can tell them what to drill, not drill, all that sort of stuff. And you have nothing like that. Yeah, no con zero control. Fully zero out control. <laughs> but you can bail at any sort of point. So yeah, yeah. Lay it on me. What do you? So lay it on me. What do you do? Yeah. So I'm what they would call a swing trader mainly. Although I do day trading, I'll go in and scalp, just depending on my mood. Um, but that's not my sweet spot as I'm talking to you, I'm coming off a really bad day trading day because I just, and I posted about this and I think a lot of people could, you know, resonated with them because everyone's been there. Um, I just hit wall after wall and I was trading like absolute trash and it's just not my thing. And, and day trading is just when you're going in and out and, um, you know, taking profits and small profits in and out all day long for either the same ticker or a different one. Um, swing trading, which is what I do, is when you're holding something for a week or longer. So for me, typically it's several weeks and sometimes several months. It depends on um, what it is and my sector overall that I find myself consistently um, trading is biotech and small microcap biotechs. It's just small little companies. Um, I call myself a trash panda. Um, bottom feeder, which is really just the age old, you know, buy low, sell high, but I'm coming into these little beat up sub 20 um, small and micro cap tickers that are oversold. Um, and they're just beaten up and they're kind of lying at the bottom of the dumpster. And I just go in and I look through all of them at any given day and try to find a gem. And so, so how are you doing this? Is this your money? Do you work for a firm? Is this yeah. trading yeah. floor? What, what's yeah, the setup? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's Cat Cap. Yeah, it's just Cat Capital. We're just this big, huge. No, it's just me. It's just me and my computer. Um, just I'm just a retail person. It's my money. And it's, um, yeah, no, I think that confuses a lot of people because I, I really have a difficult time articulating to family and friends what I do. They're like, so do you have clients? I mean, what are you, how are you making money? I'm like, well, it's just, it's, it's my money. It's just, <laughs> it, my it's very, it's difficult. My, my favorite thing on that was when I was at an investment bank and I got promoted to vice president. My mom asked me, if the president of the company dies, does that mean you get to take over? Oh, yeah. I probably would have asked the same question. <laughs> So this is you. So this is you, your money, you're sitting at the yeah, computer. Just yeah, just me. Um, I, I started, um, it's not always been my thing. I was in the corporate world and I worked for an environmental firm in both Tampa and then I moved to Miami, had my son. Um, shortly after that, I had a spine injury and it was just compounded in several surgeries. And a lot of people don't know that I live with 
severe chronic pain and um I think it's something that I just talk about constantly because who wants to hear somebody complain but I have 75% nerve damage down my left leg about 35% yeah in my right and on any given day it just depends but there's plenty of times where I'm just I'm in my bed I can't get out of bed and I'm in a lot of pain so oh my gosh yeah so finding something that I could do um from home um was hard and I Chuck I just love that there's a train I know yeah the uh so we kind of went you through live, so like we know that you don't have a job are you living under the train tracks Chuck? <laughs> yeah. I, do you need a place to live <laughs> exactly exactly the uh it's warm here at night and uh no it's so I live in small town Richmond Texas and um the issue is normally i go into the studio which is right down the street but uh i've got covid right now so i'm on day i think nine or day eight of quarantine and i've got to make it to 10 Uh, according to the cdc yeah yeah. fortunately i don't have much in the way of symptoms so knock on wood i've been i've been really blessed on that front but this small town i live in has a train track that runs right through the middle of downtown we literally have the good side of the tracks and the bad side of the tracks just you know like small town texas does but the interesting thing is there's a state law that says a train has to honk if there aren't railroad guards that come down to block the the over where you go over the tracks yeah and the city of richmond passed a law that says a train or an ordinance, I guess, that says the train cannot honk when it comes through town. So there's been this battle for just years. The train company's like, well, put up, you know, the railroad crossing so the arms will come down and we won't honk. And Richmond's like, well, we're not going to do that. You can't honk in our city. Uh, And anyways, yeah, we get the passive aggressive train coming through and I think they honk extra loud as they come through. Right. So sorry about that. Okay. No, it's okay. I just kind of threw you off your rhythm, didn't it? Sorry Ah, about that. (laughs) That's okay. So we were talking about kind of how I ended up trading. Um, So I have some friends um, in the industry and they were just like, with your mind, with the way that you work, you know, just, I guess, emotionally and how, how I am the kind of person that I am They're Like you could totally do this. And it was never something that crossed my mind. Cause to me, somebody who trades, um, like you were saying, they're on the floor of the New York stock exchange, they're, um, you know, running a hedge fund or they're, they have millions of dollars. It never crossed my mind. I didn't even know, um, it was a possibility. And I think a lot of people are in that same situation or were before these platforms, um, where there's no fee, there's no commission to trade, like Robinhood, Weeble. Um, and I think pretty much every platform now is free. Um, I guess they kind of had to, to compete, but it opened it up to the everyday person. Um, yeah, so I just kind of found my way into it. And um, if you read my bio on my page, I'm a bibliophile. I love to read. I love absorbing knowledge. Um I actually have an eidetic memory, so I kind of just, whatever I read and take in, it sticks, and I can memorize things really easily, and um, I found that I loved it. Like, I um, am not a math person. I am not a 
you know, charting person and all that. And so <laughs> a technical, so, but I found that I really loved it. I enjoyed it. And, um, I found that I just had a knack for it. And so how long you've been doing this for a few years? Yeah. Okay. Not long. I'm a baby, <laughs> baby in these streets, but I, I love it. And, um, yeah, I don't ever really see myself doing anything else. I don't, even on days like today where <laughs> it was just a really bad day. Um, I mean, I'm not going to just throw in the towel. I, the bell rings tomorrow and I start again. And gotcha. so, so like, you know, and I'm fascinated by this, the, cause I could, I would suck at this. I mean, I yeah. would panic. I would put, I would buy something in 10 and put a stop loss in at $9 and 98 cents, you know, Oh, right. I'm out, I'm out. Yeah, panic. You have like a 1% trailing stop loss. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm taking no chances. And it'd be exactly the same on the ups. It'd go up 2%. Sell, sell, sell. You know, I could yeah. totally. So walk, yeah. walk, walk me through maybe an example, kind of like how your mind works. I know there's probably no standard example, but just walk me yeah. through kind of a, maybe a trade you did that was good or bad or whatever. Yeah. So I, I guess I'll kind of tell you how I find my trades. I get asked this a lot. What do you use to scan? Cause I'll on Sundays, I like to kind of share and kind of talk about, you know, what am I looking at? What are possibly some good swing setups? Um, I go and I used Finviz, which I've always just loved as a platform. And I'll go in and I always will put in the relative strength index. And I'm looking for something that's um, oversold, which is anything reading a 30 or below, which will indicate oversold, which is basically just an undervalued condition. And it's the other way around. If it's above 70, it's overbought, it's overvalued. It's looking for maybe a reversal and pullback. Would you say, you know, reversion to the mean? which is basically what it is, right? I mean, it's all just the heartbeat on the chart that you're looking at. Um, okay, so basically just dummy it down for me. So, yeah. and I'm going back to business school, which as you like to make fun of my age, business <laughs> school was <laughs> business school was a long time ago, almost 30 years ago. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I love John W.B. Rich. I was on the I was in the online class at Yale in 1946, but uh, no. So almost 30 years ago, as I recall, oversold just, I think it means there are more sales at a loss or so many, you know, some certain percent of the last, you know, hundred trades or whatever have been losses. And then relative strength is of the last hundred trades or whatever it is. So many of them have been uh, bought at a premium to the last trade. Is that, yeah. is that kind of ballpark what we're talking about? Ballpark. I mean, there's the whole formula on how it, you know, they come up with the RSI, but and, and the relative strength and index and they, it's a whole, I am not good at that at all. I just have found my way. And again, I've done this all pretty much on my own. Um, I didn't have um, Twitter. I think you, you were like one at one point, how did we even come to, meet each other because you're on energy you're eft and i'm over here on fintwit and our paths just kind of crossed you and know sarah if you just take me up on my offer to actually go get a drink we could have a <laughs> pleasant date we can even call it a non-date we might wind up married and if we wind up married 
we could unite the two kingdoms energy finance twitter finance twitter united be like game of thrones like yeah and we all know what happens in the weddings in game of thrones <laughs> I, walked, I, wedding, so I, walked, I walked right into that didn't i oh, God. yeah all yeah right. you're good at doing that check so, so <laughs> circling back i do I, I, that was a really good effort a for effort really thank you a for I effort like <laughs> um circling back talking about kind of how i found my way onto twitter so i was not on um social media in or in any like groups or anything like that i was just it was just me and the computer i was doing it on my own i took probably a year off of social media facebook instagram type of thing not a big social media person anyways just to read and learn and figure out how to do this for me it was sink or swim i really it was like i could not fail at this i needed this to work and so i was just 18 hour days and figuring out how to make it work but <laughs> it's a lonely game because you know, coming from the corporate world, you're in there, you're having coffee with your coworkers or you're, you know, going out to lunch or you're going to get some beers and some chicken wings. And, you know, you have people to hang out with and talk to. And it, when you're trading and you're just a solo retail trader, you're, you really don't have that sense of community. So I went looking for it. I did not know stock twits existed. So I found stock twits first which was really cool kind of connecting with some people like on specific tickers that I was trading and we could kind of hit back and forth with some DD just due diligence and our research and why are we trading the stock and what do we think and that type of thing um and then from there I kind of migrated onto Twitter I had opened a Twitter when Trump became president because I just wanted to creep on his tweets because <laughs> <laughs> the guy is, a, what does he call himself? A stable genius or something like that. Um, so, it, but I never did anything with it. So in January of this year, I popped back on and just started connecting with people um, in the industry and just trying to grow a network because that's what Twitter is. It's just network and networking. Um, and it, I found FinTwit and it was just like this little sub universe and these amazing people full of characters. I mean, you have the Anons and some of them are, you know, eh. but some of them are really funny and they're actually very smart, brilliant people. And I assume that they're Anons because they're in the industry because some of them just, they're brilliant. Um, so connecting with everybody has been really fun and just kind of carving out my little neck of the woods. Um, and I think just EFT and FinTwit are kind of intertwined and somehow we got interconnected. We ended up on roll call. <laughs> Suddenly shout I'm out, on roll shout, call. Shout Kenny. out to the chairman, Kenny. There we go. <laughs> Kenny Lay, shout out. I mean, yeah. And he did these videos and it was wild, but it was fun because it was, you know, it was like, we're going to go with, you know, coworkers and people we hang out with and we're going out to drink or whatever, but it's all cyber which is so weird but it's fun i mean i really end up caring about some of these people that we connect with and i i love the community i think it's a great little community and uh yeah no it is no it is it is pretty cool it's uh you know i've got two kind of funny stories on that one you know there's this running joke about chilies out on twitter and energy finance twitter and i don't even know the exact genesis of it but the real Jeff Skilling 
at some point made a Chili's joke like that guy that trader couldn't even be a waiter at Chili's or something or I might as well just go to Chili's so there's this whole thing about Chili's jokes and all this and what's so funny is anytime we come across a Chili's I'll get out and take a picture in front of it and make my daughters take it and they're like really dad we're doing this for Twitter yeah And then, and then the, uh, the other thing is, uh, no, you're right about the community. It's really cool. I was on Twitter way back in the day. I mean, when it first started up, I've, of, of course I, you were, Chuck. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, and, and, uh, you know, I, uh, I traded DMS with Chad Johnson. He actually sent me his cell phone number at one point, but of course he's changed it. Of course. Since then. <laughs> I traded, I traded tweets with Shaquille O'Neal one time. That was kind of cool. So so fun it's a it's really a fun platform and it's unique and it kind of stands on its own versus you know facebook and instagram i'm not one to sit and you know i don't want to look at what you made for dinner and you know it's just i don't have time for that in my life i'm not interested in that so twitter is its own different um animal and i love that and then of course now we have fleets which (laughs) is like okay but that's pretty fun too, I guess. It's another way to connect the people that um, are in the community. So I've enjoyed it. I really like it. And I, I mean, here I am on a podcast, Chuck Yates needs a job podcast. Why? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. You should aspire to more, but uh, anyway, the, uh, so, okay. So run us through like an example of a trade you did. So I, uh, so I'm, I'm dummying this down for me, but you're sitting there, your screening tool is oversold yeah. stocks. So yeah, stocks that people have been dumping. So you're digging yeah. through that. You're getting your screen of yeah. kind of that. And uh, like so, you said earlier, that that sounds like you're looking for potentially opportunities that revert to the mean. Yeah, bounce back. So walk yeah. me through one. Yeah, so um, I can, this is a interesting one. And it's actually very popular now because it just went absolutely you know, balls to the walls, screaming oversold, but I mean, overbought. I was fuel cell. Um, I actually had fuel cell last year, last June at 30 cents. Um, it was just this, you know, little beat up company, but I was fascinated by uh, the technology. And to me, I feel like fuel cell and hydrogen, all of that, that's the future. I mean, we're moving away, um, you know, from, although, of course, gas, oil, and gas is never going to go away. Right. I mean, we could have that conversation, but of course, you know, fuel cell and hydrogen, they're coming in. And I was like, well, you know, what's this company about? But the the more I dug into it, the more I was like, wow. And Jason Pugh took over and he really just restructured the whole company and they had a lot going on. And so I just bought the crap out of it. And because that's what I do is I come in at the bottom and I just wait, I just lie and wait because I have patience and time on my side. And I try to stack my swings like for different um, catalysts that are coming up, especially with biotech, like different trial dates and things like that. And with fuel cell, um, it, it was a year. I mean, it had little bumps and should we pause? Nah, here go. Yeah, here comes the train. I hear the train are rolling, rolling round the bend. Wow. Who's singing that? Yeah. Oh, okay. So then, okay. 
it's really hard to <laughs> so so uh okay so fuel cell energy is this the molten carbonate fuel cell company out of danbury connecticut yes yep in, in, well i guess i can't uh, talk now because yeah. of the trend sorry the, okay is the trend you know done what? i <laughs> Yeah, I think the train's done. I, I say, okay. I say, if there's train in the back, I don't care so long as people can hear what I'm saying. But <laughs> I will leave that to the the powers that be. So no, so this is interesting. So you bought fuel cell at thirty cents last 30 summer. Cents. You wound 30 up cents. holding it for about a year. Is well, that what you said? well, typically with my swings, I'll book my trade. So a lot of them, you know, the day trading groups will come in or different PR drops or things will happen and the price will, you know, go up maybe even 20%, 30, 40. It depends on what it is with penny stocks and moves can be um, pretty big. And I'll just sell a quarter to a half of my shares to recoup my initial investment and then just leave the rest of them to ride house, basically they're free shares at that point. Um, and then I'll just, if it's a company that I'm really interested in, I know there's different catalysts coming up, I'll buy the dips and kind of bolster that position. And I just, you know, set it to the side because it, it's just, you know, grow on its own over there while I go and do other things. Um, so at yeah, I was, I was in and out. At I, the sorry. risk, at the risk of you making fun of my age again, I have an interesting fuel cell energy story. So back, so the last, you know, almost 20 years, last eight months or seven months, whatever it's been, I've been, of course, unemployed. But uh, before that, I spent 19 years at Kane Anderson. Before mm -hmm. that, I was at Stevens Inc., the Little Rock, Arkansas Investment Bank. So, so not to interrupt you, but for people who but maybe to interrupt are, me, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, but for people <laughs> who are maybe following me, they don't know what is Kane Anderson. What did you so, do at Kane? So, so Kane Anderson's a money management firm headquartered in Los Angeles, California. They had various silos of money investment strategies. They had a real estate group. They had a credit platform, uh, but. For the most of the time I was there, the bulk of the money was devoted to energy. And there were really kind of two buckets in energy. One was MLPs. So mm -hmm. Kane on any given day would be the largest investor in MLPs. And they did it through various uh, publicly traded BDCs slash closed end funds. Mm -hmm. And then they also had private partnerships that did it. And then for the most, until the last couple of years, the one big private equity strategy we had was in oil and gas. So what yeah. we were doing was kind of early stage assets. We'd, we'd go in, back a small little company, lease some acreage, oh, drill the first like What I do. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, a little, yeah. Yeah. We called it five guys in a rusty pickup truck was kind That's of what, awesome. how we described our companies. We drill the first horizontal well in a county and stuff. So we'd have big, huge wins, but we'd also, we were much more venture capital, early stage yeah. type assets. But yeah. before I was at Kane, I was at Stevens. And when I was at Stevens, I actually had an engagement to do a private placement for fuel cell energy, except this was when they were still called Energy Research Corporation. Wow. So this was like, <laughs> crazy. this was like the only fuel cell energy fuel cell was out back of their plant in Danbury, 
Connecticut. You could walk yep. out back there. It was quiet and it made enough electricity to like light a light bulb up. You know, they go Stop. turn it on. Yeah, no, it was crazy. That's and, uh, crazy. And now they're doing microgrids and, you know, the whole thing with Toyota and the, the whole fueling thing, the port of Long Beach. That's crazy. So what was this 30 years ago? Uh, not 30 years ago. It was late 90s. So it oh. was, call it 22 years ago, I bet. And we took, them, we took them around. We introduced them to Enron and Dynagy and all these wow. public, El, El Paso, <laughs> GE. We introduced them to all these folks. We had a term sheet from Enron and we were kind of working on it. And then power technology just took off, like with the whole rest of NASDAQ. Yeah. And their stock price like quadrupled in six weeks and they went out and did a big public offering. Ah. And, uh, <laughs> left, left me kind of at the sideline. But anyway, I've been to Danbury. The, uh, the one other weird thing about uh, Danbury, Connecticut is, you know, you'd fly into Manhattan and I flew in, had a business dinner, and then I'm driving a rental car up there. And here's kind of the small world. So this is late 90s. I think this is this may have even been before the show started, but Candace Bushnell, who wrote Sex in the City, the book, and the, she wrote an, uh, a recurring article for, I think, The New Yorker uh, called Sex in the City that the TV show was based on. She yeah. actually went to Rice University. And if you listen to the intro, I'm proud to say I went to Rice University. Oh. She, was only, she was only there a year. But anyway, she was on an AM radio station sitting there talking about Sex in the City, her book that was coming out or and the TV show coming up. And she was talking with, and for years I thought it was Sean Hannity, but uh, actually I went back and looked just two weeks ago, just, I don't even know why I was doing it. Candace Bushnell's name come up, came up, but it was Marco Mira who's a radio talk show guy, supposedly in New York, a big famous one. They went to prom together. How that's funny. A, so that is what I small world. To. Yeah, that is what I on your way, to. On your way to Danbury, Connecticut to fuel cell. To fuel cell energy, in which Amazing. I was unable to complete a private placement. And I should have bought the stock. I didn't. Right. But, well, you know, who knows what it's going to be. And then, so I actually took profits it went went up to 350 at one point i'm not sure the time frame because i trade you know so many different things but um just within the last few weeks uh, once biden was elected um the highly contested election um trump will say that he is elected but anyways we'll leave politics out of that um <laughs> but once they you know he was elected there was this massive um influx into marijuana and um, EV plays, anything that was clean energy. Um, so fuel cell saw this massive influx of day traders and swing traders. And I think they went up to um, a billion volume at one point in the day. They were just trading absolute insanity. It went up to like 1150, maybe even more. I don't know. But yeah, really crazy. Really and didn't crazy. they just, didn't I, just do an offering? Like in the last few days or something? Oh, yeah, exactly. Of, of course. Are you crazy? That's the other thing that, you know, when you're swinging, you have to be careful. Like, uh, that's one of the things I check when I'm scanning for a new play is when's the last time they had an offering? Are they well-funded? Especially on these small micro-cap bios because they don't 
have a ton of cash on hand. So that's one of the main ways that they're going to raise funds is by throwing out and offering and diluting the shit out of their stock. And then everyone on there is like, well, <laughs> fun. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. The, the Management Preservation Act, right? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. God. It's interesting. It's There's definitely lots of stuff that you have to dodge and you learn, especially with sub-20s that, it, you know, reverse split is always uh, something that you have to think about. And there's always some, and recently I when you were talking about how if you were trading, you'd have such a tight um, stop loss in order to preserve your capital, right? Um, that's I actually rarely break my stop loss rules. I keep it within five to 10%, depending on how, you know, what's the historical pattern of the stock with the dips? Is this just a dip or is it actually crashing on something? Because I don't want to get stopped out on a dip if I'm swinging. Um, so there was a play recently that the... the phase three was coming out and I knew it was coming out and it didn't meet its primary um, safety endpoints. And so within probably 10 minutes, it crashed 50%, but I had my stop loss. So, you know, it saved me on that, but yeah, it, there's always, <laughs> there's always that fun stuff. So that's wild. And it sounds like what you do is you've got a screening tool, you're looking for oversold things, but then you yeah. actually go do quote unquote, fundamental analysis. I mean, Absolutely. You're like, yeah. yeah, there's both sides to it. So for me, you can't just go off of the text and also you can't just go off the funds, the fundamentals. To me, it's you you take the text and you take the funds and you marry them together and you get holy matrimony and then you get little money babies. So <laughs> that's my... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just having a visual of text of and fundamentals having sex. And <laughs> I'm not really sure how that would work. Who's on top? I don't know. You know, all the, the quant and the tech people say it's the tech. <laughs> <laughs> and all the other people would say, you know, it's the fundamental analysis. It depends. The day traders say, you know, the fundamental analysis is completely pointless. FA is pointless because that's not what they're looking at. You know, they're just going in and out um, on Momo, on Momentum, and who cares what the CEO, you know, what's his history and what, you know, what's the cash on hand? It doesn't matter. You're just playing Momentum, so. Yeah, no, that's. Uh, it, there's a million ways to play, <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, you know, it's interesting uh, kind of talking about Momentum, Um we were having that discussion around Kane Anderson early on when I was there. So call it 19, 20 years ago. And uh, it was interesting because we were basically making a case for momentum and why you should be investing in momentum. Mm -hmm. And uh, Bob Sanat, who was the CEO of Kane for a long time said, let me tell you about momentum. My yeah. grandmother got up every morning and she was 88 years old and she would eat her breakfast and then she would walk around the block for an hour and a half, come back, get on with her day, go to sleep and do it the next day. There was a lot of momentum on that until one day she got up, <laughs> ate her breakfast, walked around the block, had a heart attack and died right there. <laughs> I, was kind of, I was like, oh, okay. And he was always like, yeah, momentum can end. It really can. And I was like, yeah. all right, fair enough, Bob. Yeah, the train stops somewhere, speaking of trains. But yeah, yeah. I think in my backyard. I mean, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a wall somewhere. I mean, anything can, you know, that that's 
that's the hard part I think about it is that we're, you know, we're always looking for the landmines and um, you got to be on your toes and pay attention. <laughs> and that's where, you know, today um, I was posting about how I, I ended the day early because I was just, I haven't traded this shitty in a very long time. I was just trading like absolute trash. Um, I wasn't paying attention to my process. I was breaking all my own rules. I actually removed a stop loss at one time, which I never do on a day trade, especially. So, and I, I, I wasn't paying attention to the sell signal when it really hit the top of the day. And I just, I made a bunch of asinine choices. And the bottom line was in hindsight was I, from the beginning of this day, should have stayed out of the markets. I was not in a good mood. I had a lot going on personally. And um, I wasn't Zen. I wasn't prepared. I have to, you have to be focused. And you, if you carry all anything in with you, you know, once the emotions take over, you're screwed. <laughs> so, but I think a lot of people can relate to that because it's, it's not easy to, and you can't just, erase your emotions. We're emotional human beings. I mean, that's what drives us. That's what drives markets, right? I mean, why are people trading what they're trading? It's all, you know, driven by our base human nature in one way or another. But it's about harnessing that and controlling that versus just letting it control you, which is what happened to me today. Oops. Well, I'm sorry about that. I hope no, the, it's okay. I hope the the anxiety surrounding spending 45 minutes to an hour with me was not the cause. Oh, Chuck, it totally was. You're on my mind all day. I couldn't <laughs> think. I can't sleep. I can't eat. <laughs> it only makes it worse. I'm a glutton for punishment there. You Fair really enough. are. I know. You really are. You're like my dad, though, Chuck. It's like, <laughs> pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, you know, no, you're, you're a good guy. I appreciate you, you know, taking the time to want to talk to me. Cause I, I always, I, like when you told me that, I'm like, I'm a nobody. I don't know who wants to hear from me. Um, I don't, I, I don't had to convince me. I don't, I don't think you're a nobody at all. You've got what? 8,000 followers on Twitter. They seem pretty yeah. devoted. You got a big fan following over on energy finance Twitter. I get a lot of DMS <laughs> in terms of, Hey, do you think Sarah's actually going to go out with you? And I always have to text back. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> R.I.P. Chuck, they're rooting for you. You got some great wingmen out there. I'll tell you that. No, yeah. it's a great, it's a great group of people. I'm, I love the platform and I love the community that I've built. And I hope every day to add value in some way, whether it's just talking about you know, emotions or life or something encouraging, inspirational or funny, just trying to add some kind of value. So, so I'm here's, here's my dad's story. So, so, and I'm going to name drop totally on this. So sorry, but that's kind of my thing. Of course um, it is. It's like the wine flex, you know, it's it. Chuck Yates got a flex. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Thomas Rhett, the country singer, I dare say he's a friend of mine. And uh, so anyway, we're, we're out. We've hung out a few times. Great guy. Great guy. And, uh, you know, he, he says something to the effect of, you know, so, or somebody says something to the effect of, yeah, you're like his father. Ah. I was so offended. I'm like, what? How the hell? Father? I go, maybe. 
the cool uncle or something like that. But father, no way. Me and Thomas, we're boys. Me and TR hang out. We have some champagne. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how old Thomas Rhett's dad is? No. 18, 18 months younger than I am. Yes. Oh, Chuck. I know. Oh, I know. I'm so sorry. Now, <laughs> now, Rhett was 18 uh, years old when he had TR, so there is a little bit of that going on there. But yeah, no, yeah, I, uh, yeah that was deflating. So thank you for bringing that up. The of bad course. day you, the bad day you had today, I'll have tomorrow now as I sit up all night and count your gray hairs. At least you have hair, Chuck. I mean, I do. Thank goodness. I mean, you have hair. You don't have a job, but you do have hair. So. I do have hair, and I don't have a lot of gray. There's gray in the beard, but uh, but the hair stayed pretty blonde. So uh, I've got that going for me, thank goodness. Winning. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, okay, get back to, so you're sitting there, computer, you're on, what platform do you trade on again? Weeble. And is that kind of like Robinhood? I mean, I could download the app, open an account and trade and- Yeah, yep, okay. absolutely. Except that, you can trade after hours and, and you know, pre-market and after hours. And they, they just have a much, it's just a much better platform. You can see all the level twos, um, the buys and the asks, and you can see, it, it's just, it's a much better platform. Also, it's never, you know, just shut down for a day and ruin people's lives. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, Ms. Lincoln, how was the play? <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. No, yeah. I mean, I I think I try not to denigrate any platform or, or any way a trader begins because I think that it's something that is open to anybody. And if you want to take the time to learn and I'm not talking about just YOLOing your money <laughs> or right. just, just coming on Twitter and trying to follow. Cause there's these trading gurus or they call them furus, fake gurus who have these hundreds of thousands of followers and they throw out tickers, you know, no chart, no fundamentals, no technical analysis. And they just all pile on it. And, you know, they have discords and things like that. And I think some of them are wonderful people. I've talked with some of them and they really just want to help others out and making money. Um, and, th and then you have some that are just absolutely morally reprehensible. They leave these people, um, they basically are making money off of them. So they're buying a stock um, low, like I would, and then they pump it on Twitter, stock twits in their discord. And then they have their 100,000 followers that go on to that stock, drive the price up, and then they cut their bag and they run. <laughs> and their followers and all these other people are like, oh my God, what do I do? Because they don't know how to trade because they haven't spent time learning the ins and outs of the markets. And they're not looking at the level twos. They have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. Like with Robinhood, I mean, I don't know, but I'm guessing you, you're just looking at the number, I guess, the stock price. I'm not sure. Um, I just know there's not like access to a, a broader picture of what's going on you behind know, the scenes. So, you know, what's yeah. so interesting about that. Cause I think at least in my lifetime, there've always been traders and, and the like, but where day trading started in kind of my lifetime was back in, let's call it the, I bet it was the early to mid nineties NASDAQ 
set up something called the small order execution system. And wow. what it what it was is it was basically almost a separate market so that somebody could buy 100 shares, 200 shares, all that. But technology being what it was, there was a time delay between the SOS system, and these guys were called SOS traders, and the actual NASDAQ. And so it was, quote unquote, real time, but there may be a 15-second delay. So you uh -huh. could sit there, you literally sat there at a computer, and you watched the SOS market and the NASDAQ, and you would see... IBM at 72 and then at 71.90 on the other. And you just arbitrage the hell out yeah. of it until it oh, went away. Shit. Oh, yeah. I, and that was, that <laughs> That's was like, amazing. <laughs> well, no, and that was, I mean, there were big, huge businesses. Houston had Momentum, Block, you know, all these different companies. And the business model actually is you know, you, if you were a cabbie or you owned a furniture store or whatever, you showed up at the office and you rented a terminal for the, from those guys. Yeah, for like that's whatever. amazing. See, I never contemplated that on what day trading would have looked like when we didn't have an app on our phone or, you know. Yeah, it was, you literally had to go into the place, you'd trade your own capital but that was true arbitrage. You literally were selling at 72, buying at 7190 until it disappeared. And uh, I mean, like, like high end technology at the time would light up stocks in different colors if they were different numbers. Wow. But you were manually typing it in. Right. Right. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. Like, like and I mean, I'm sure none game. of. Right. And I'm sure none of the people that I mean, I probably couldn't go on the floor of the stock exchange and, you know, do anything. I mean, what most retail traders can't. I just know my process. I know what works for me. I know sitting at my computer, which is me and my screens, um, what I can do. And I know what doesn't work. And it's all just been through trial and error. Um, so, what they call paying market tuition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you're gonna, yeah, you're going to pay. It's not an overnight thing. Anybody who says it is, is full of absolute shit. And you so should are, you long, <laughs> are you long only? Will you ever go short? So, or? Yeah, so I've tried that. It, I've tried um, options. I've tried, I've tried on all the shoes. Um, nothing felt right to me. I just it didn't feel right to me. I'll probably go back to it if I get bored, but honestly, I just love what I do and it flows really well. Um, I'm intimate with it. I'm intimate with my process and it works for me. And it's one of those things that's kind of like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, <laughs> so are you dependent, are you dependent in all of this on kind of the bull market going no. up or do you no. have periods of downtime where you're actually still able to make money and, and pick through yeah. your winners? Yeah, but I mean, it, it's on and off. I was just talking to uh, one of my girlfriends about this the other day because, you know, I have times where, yeah, I'm hitting a, a thousand percent um, runner off of some great trial data or, you know, the company got bought off or um, whatever it is, or, you know, fuel cell. That was a massive trade, all these different things. And it's just, you kind of have to it's, it's a snowball, right? And you just kind of have to protect your snowball as you roll it around. And 
I'm not going out buying Lambos and a bunch of giant properties and going to <coughs> Nobu. Um, I'm not doing major <laughs> wine. <laughs> I'm not doing major wine flexes in my basement. I'm just living. So I think okay, it's hold on, hold yeah, on, what? hold on. What? For the what? record, what? For the record, <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> For the record, number one, when you live on the Gulf Coast, the water table is at about two feet. So we don't have any what? basements. There are oh, no basements. Sorry, yeah. I've never been to Texas, so. Oh, you're missing out. So if you Pardon dug my ignorance. If you dug down, I don't know, two feet in my backyard, it would be all wet. So okay, so no it's basements. not a it's not a wine cellar. It's not a basement. It's just a closet. Is that what yeah, this is? Yeah, this is actually kind of an off-site storage deal that I have, and and I want to clear this up. So so <laughs> no, I feel very I'm defensive now. Oh. I feel very defensive now. You have I'm to let sorry, me finish. Chuck. You have to let me finish since you were making fun of me. No, I just I just happened to get the uh, the the wine collection and the divorce, and so <laughs> my monthly wine expenditure is zero. I have an okay. asset that I am slowly depleting over time, <laughs> and I so when you see a major wine flex, it's somewhat tongue in cheek because I didn't you know I paid for it's, that wine years ago and got it. No, I got it. I'm I'm teasing you, Chuck. It's I'm teasing you. It's okay. <laughs> I was just using an example of, you know, just being fiscally conservative when this is how you make your break. Because of course there's gonna be downtimes. There's plenty of times there's been weeks where I'm just like you know, nothing and I'm juggling around or I'm just hitting walls because again, I'm not a day trader, so that's not I, mean, I hope to get better at it. I'm always learning and growing. Um but I just, I find myself hitting walls with day trade, like, you know, with just scalping in and out all day long. I do okay, but it's just, it's not my thing. I prefer to swing. So yeah, sometimes you, you hit home runs with your swings and sometimes you don't, and you just have to um, not go spend a, you know, <laughs> spend all the money you make on a trade on a Lambo or something. Well, <laughs> yeah. We're all one trade away from humility, Bud Fox. So yeah. Shit. We're all uh, one away from anything. Yeah. It can all be taken in a blink of an eye. I think the market teaches you that. <laughs> oh, I've had plenty of times where I've, you know, learned the hard way of not installing a tight stop or um, not paying attention, just plain old not paying attention and watched everything go down the <laughs> drain <laughs> and just stare. <laughs> as that entire chunk that you had is just evaporates and the market just takes takes its dues yeah it'll get you <laughs> yeah i mean i think the big lesson and i've talked about this kind of odd ad nauseum on various podcasts so i'm not gonna belabor it here but i mean i think the biggest thing that i learned kind of having some distance from investing um as i sit around and just watch things yeah. way, way oversold the ability to create alpha and to have some unique knowledge and be able to do better than everybody else. I actually think looking for that kind of stuff causes you to take more risk than you normally should. And then yeah. way, way, way freaking undersold the risk of the beta, you know, the oil price. I mean, yeah. You know, 
you know, making the call of, oh, Chevron outperformed Exxon by 100 basis points, but I missed that oil fell 50% and I lost two-thirds yeah. of my money, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like taking a myopic, you know, you're just being myopic and you're not seeing the full picture. You can get caught up and I think simple is, it's just simple. You should kind of simplify it. <laughs> I think the more convoluted you make it, yeah. Yeah, no, because the because uh, the interesting thing, just putting myself in your shoes, kind of trying to think through it is, and I don't want to make things any more complicated. And trust me, I don't know what I'm doing. I've I've <laughs> never been a public stock person, but you almost wonder if, you know, you find your winner the way you normally do, and then if you short like multiple a like amount of same industry type stocks then it doesn't you don't care if the the general biotech market goes up or goes down so long right. as your person outperforms your okay. stock does yeah yeah no exactly um it was interesting at the beginning of the year um and i think it was in january and i saw this coronavirus thing happening i mean i saw before here i think people were like oh, it's no big deal. It's just over there. But I, I mean, people were literally falling out in the streets in Wuhan and you're seeing these videos and this was in January and I just diversified heavily out into all the small microcap bios that I speculated that could be a COVID play. So anything that's therapeutics, vaccine, you know, all that type of thing. Um, and I did really well in the first quarter of the year um, because of that. So, oh, wow. yeah, there's, yeah, there's times where obviously the tide lifts all boats, right? And right. I think that in the biotech industry as a whole, everybody wanted a piece of the Rona pie. Like every biotech, I don't care if they were working on cancer, um, if they had like, you know, herpes cream, whatever it was, they were like, we have a, a, a COVID test, we have a PCR kit, we have, you know, we're now we're working on therapeutics, we're working on a nasal spray. And it's like, whoa, okay. Yeah, everyone did that to, you know, pad the, the pooch, I guess, or stay relevant. And did you, uh, did you invest in Kareem's cream? No. no. <laughs> do you even know what no. that is? Yes. That you was do. on your, I do. It was a jingle on your last. Yes, it was. was. That the last one or the time before? Yeah. That was the time before. That was pre Budagate. So. Oh gosh, I don't even. I don't even understand Budagate because I'm not. Again, I'm not an energy person, so I don't even understand that. I just like the people who are in energy, but I don't even understand all of it. I don't even understand eighty percent of this stuff. I'm still learning and growing. I just feel privileged to be in this space and that the people um, of Fintwit and EFT have just been so kind to me. I, I haven't gotten anybody that's like, well, you know, besides all the people who think I'm a catfish from the beginning. <laughs> I was like, who is this girl? She must be a catfish. I'm like, I nope, just me. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, no, I found the same thing because what's been interesting is, you know, so I got off Twitter, call it 18 months ago, something like that. The whole thought being, you know, Kane always wanted to get rid of me, but the, um, the, I didn't need to give him the rope to do it. And things just kind of felt a little hotter than normal, you know, a couple yes. of years ago. So Trying to I kind got, of keep your head yeah. under, yeah. 
Career advice, uh, do not go on Twitter as yourself if you want to run a <laughs> private equity firm. Just a little pointer there from me to you. Um, yeah, probably why there's so many Anons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. anyway, so after I got unceremoniously publicly humiliated and shown the uh, curb, I went back on uh, in my own name. And what was cool about it is a lot of shots were thrown my direction I was made fun of a lot, but a lot of folks were sending DMs saying, hey, dude, did I cross the line? I, I just thought it was funny. And I'm like, no, yeah. that was really cool. And Kind of teasing you or something. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that the space is like that. You have to have thick skin to be, I think, probably in this industry as a whole. But definitely on Twitter, you got to have thick skin. People like to <laughs> people like to poke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe I didn't make a joke there. I'm so losing my fastball these days. Wait, a joke. Oh, see, yeah. I, I lost that too. That went over my head till just you said that. I know. God. People like to poke. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's because I'm old. I'm dad like, I guess. I can't. Oh. Uh, I I'm never going to outlive that. <laughs> I'm going to have to transition to dad jokes because right now I'm still in 13 yeah. year old boy joke mode that's you know. never that's never going to go away is it any because i have been surrounded by men my entire life that's never going to go away i don't care how professional they are i don't care what kind of per they're just boys i think perpetually stunt at 13 when it comes to certain things so i mean i cannot <laughs> that's okay. say, i cannot say the word boobies without giggling of course not <laughs> yeah, exactly. it, of course not what are you gonna do that's okay yeah. chuck <laughs> oh well I will, uh, I will try. Uh, what's the, yeah. uh, what's the difference between a, a bond and Chuck Yates? At least the yeah. bond matures. Oh, Chuck. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> oh, dad points. That Thank was, you. yeah, Thank you. that was super dad joke. That's great. Tip, tip your weight <laughs> staff, drive home safe. Second show is always different than the first. <laughs> I'll be here all night. I'll be here all night. So Sarah, you were very, very cool to do this. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I, I Again, you had to pretty much convince me because I was like, well, but I think it was fun. And hopefully somebody got some value off of it. Well, I think when I promised to be 1,408 miles apart from you, that was kind of the, okay, <laughs> maybe I'll do it. You had to make sure you're not a serial killer, Chuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now I, I get squeamish around blood, so uh, you don't have to worry Ugh. about me serial killing anybody. <laughs> or killing, period. Not just serial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Not even once. <laughs> not, not, even, even, not even once. Not even once. That's not, great. Never so, really had the urge. Anyways. All right, guys. You're very cool, Sarah. Thank you much. Thank you. Bye, Alrighty. guys. See ya. Itchy bums or itchy feet Rashes sprawled across your meat No more itchy disappointment Creams, creams, oink